Hello, Streakers. Jamie and I are looking forward to talking with you today about the real definition of success. Have you found yourself looking at success and judging it based on money? Well, that's probably not the best judge of success. We're going to talk about what is and how to make that happen, so let's get streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is Streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are Streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. You know, just the other day, you and I were talking about the definition of success and how most people gauge success on how much money they make. Yes, or position or status, which often correlates with money. money. Yes. We were talking about, what was it that we were talking about with famous? <laughs> what did you say? Something about famous? We were running yeah. and and we crossed Unity Pass. Yes. Oh, and we were, right. we were joking. Doesn't we're everyone like, know Unity Pass? Yeah, we're like, look, we just crossed Unity Pass and and wouldn't we should tell people that we've just run across Unity Pass. And then we were joking because Unity Pass is a tiny little pass in Eagle Mountain, Utah, that probably only the people that live here would hear about or know about. And probably they don't even know they're going over Unity Pass. So we were pass. joking <laughs> that if someone looked at us and was like, oh, Unity Pass? Oh. That we'd look at them and be like, oh, you haven't heard of it? You haven't heard of Unity it's Pass? It's totally famous, <laughs> but completely unknown. Totally famous, but completely But not well unknown. known. But that's not what well I said. That's it's what, famous, that's what said. but not well known. So I asked the question is, can you be famous without being well known? I don't think so. <laughs> so Which is why it was a funny joke. So success then, you're looking at fame, power, or money. And oftentimes those three things come along. And as we were talking about this, we did a little bit of research, but came across an article that you liked and I really liked in I Fast did. Company. I did. I did. And and the article is entitled, We're Defining Sex Success Wrong, and It's Hurting Our Happiness. So it was interesting. It was written, um, it's actually a little bit older, like older. It's a year ago. This article was written a year ago by Scott Shute. And he says, when we measure our success, it's often a proxy for how other people view us. So I thought that was interesting because we're talking about money or power, or and, and he's saying, we often measure our success by what other people think, how they measure us, what they're thinking of us. So how many likes I'm getting in my Facebook mm-hmm. posts or how many likes I'm getting in my LinkedIn posts or exactly. any of those things. That's how, hey, I'm successful. If other people are recognizing me and I am famous, then that is success. Yep. Status, position, relative rank to the rest of society. That's another thing that I thought is interesting is your success is based on where you rank compared to a whole bunch of other people. This constant comparison is a strategy for misery. The thief of joy, true happiness, real success comes from developing your own inner strength and contentment. So we've talked a lot about contentment and different ways to be able to, how to truly arrive at a place of contentment. Yeah, I don't, I have not, I have not, 
found out that secret. Right I haven't there, either, which is why is being content. I think part of it is living in the present, being mm-hmm. present in the present moment and not living towards some future that may or may not materialize. Right. And also not living in the past glory days right. of what was, but living right now in the present and being content with what I have in the present. But is contentment, is that void of ambition? I wouldn't think so, but th- that's a good question. Is that does contentment mean that you are, you're just happy where you are and you don't try to right. be better? And I right. would disagree. I think true contentment uh-huh. maybe has a lot to do with gratitude, like being grateful for the things that are in your life and where you are, yeah. but also with a strong desire to want to always be continuing to improve. Right. I know when you and I have looked at gratitude and been intentional about our gratitude, I think we've been happier mm-hmm. when we've looked at it in that way. I would totally agree. Yeah. I think gratitude is a huge part of happiness. Yeah. So I think you should read this article and then let's talk about it. Because right. there's some really good stuff in here. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's important to read it because there's there's a couple of items in here that we'll go back and revisit once we've right. read it. Or we can visit them as we go. I oh, like okay. Is that, that what you want to do? Here are three ways you are defining success wrong and what you can do to help yourself <laughs> stay on track. Let's just state that category. I know. I, it's wrong. It's wrong. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> let's tell you what you're doing wrong. First of all, wrong, seeking external validation as the youngest. And this is from the article as the youngest of five siblings, I desperately wanted to be noticed as I unconsciously competed for my parents' attention. I always looked for that attaboy from my mom or dad. This was before smartphones and social media. Now, in addition to feedback from our families and peers, we seek digital likes, follows, emoji filled comments from people we may not even know. Happiness is an inside job. It's not to say we don't care what others think. We do. But our true happiness, true freedom comes when we focus on ourselves on our own journey. Instead of looking to the outside, we develop inner strength. We have self-compassion. Here's a black belt level self-compassion exercise to try. As you're getting ready in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror. Look in your eyes, placing your hand on your heart. Say, say your name and say, I love you. Yes, it Sorry, is. Sorry, that reminds me of the Saturday Night Live with Michael Jordan, yes. <laughs> where he looks in the mirror and gosh darn it, people, people like, like me. <laughs> that's an old one. We need to See, go find that one. Ex- that's an even self an ex- affirmations. That's but that's also an external validation. People mm-hmm. like me. Yeah, that's not even what he's saying right here. No, he's saying, are you comfortable being able to look in the mirror and say, and not that you like yourself. I like that that he says. It's not, he doesn't say, I like me. He says, I love you. I love you. Like, can you love yourself? Yeah. Even in those times when you're like, I don't like who I am right now, but I'm working on it. But I love me. Right. I don't know. It's an interesting, I've never tried it. Well, and this is a what you need to do. The question mm-hmm. is how you need to do it. So a little bit of a how there. However, looking at streaking and streaks, would it be a streak to say at least one time every day, put your hand over your heart and say, Jeffrey? I love you. Interesting. What do you think? I mean, (laughs) you're so funny. Interesting. Interesting. Existential. (laughs) (laughs) More just, actually, I was thinking because I do have an I am statement that I repeat to myself each morning, kind of, kind of a mantra. It's a little bit longer. Do you do it in the morning or do you do it in the evening? It's a streak. So when I remember in the morning, I love doing it in the morning because it reaffirms who I am and want, what I want to be that day, yeah. the person that I want to be and, mm-hmm. and the things I want to do. Not the things I want to do, actually, as much as, as more, 
Well, the doing is all the streaks that you have. Yes. The I am statement is This is who, who I, I am. am. Yeah. This is the, the characteristics of the person that I am. Right. And that I want to continue aspiring to be on a daily basis. So yeah. I I love it when I say it in the morning. I feel like it helps me slow down and ground myself. But it's a streak. So if I I've had times at the end of the night when I've closed my eyes while sitting in bed and just said it quick to to do the streak. Yeah. But it is a it it is a a daily affirmation so to speak. And one that is not seeking external validation Mm-mm. because I don't hear it and you don't say it to anyone other no, than yourself. No, I don't. Yeah. And I do believe that what he's saying here and this is who's this again? Scott. Scott. What Scott's saying here is right on as far as external validation is not the place to seek for that success or mm-hmm. those affirmations. In, in the streaking book, we talk about external versus intrinsic, Inter- extrinsic versus intrinsic. Motivation. And how, and Chris, I love it because he writes the forward in the book and he talks about the idea of looking in a mirror at a fun house. And whatever mirror you're looking in, it changes the way that you look. Well, that's not unlike looking for external validation because whoever's looking at you may see something different or say something different. You and I read Aesop's Fables. I was thinking the same thing, the Aesop's Fable (laughs) with the man, the old man, the donkey, and the boy. Right. And that, you know, originally the man has the boy riding on the donkey. And And they pass through a town. And they pass through a town and the people in the town say, how cruel that that man is having that boy ride on that donkey, that poor donkey. (laughs) And so then they switch it up and and they carry the donkey for a while (laughs) and go through another another town, town and the town's like... What a bunch of idiots. That guy is carrying a donkey. So it's interesting that So then they, they switch it up again and the old man rides the donkey and then the boy anyway, it just is And everywhere they went, there were people saying, Why are they doing it that way? So streakers, as you look at your life and consider what it is you're doing, looking for external validation is not the place to go for that measure of success. Now the question is, is how do you look at the intrinsic? And I think one of the streaks that we just talked about is the I am statement mm-hmm. and writing that on a daily basis. What other streaks might you do if you're looking at it and saying, what do I want to do to be intrinsic and not extrinsic in my in my validation or in my success? I know there's people that have grateful streaks, um, a couple different kinds of grateful streaks. One person is one streak that I've noticed is she makes a list of the things that she's grateful for each day. Yeah. Another streaker said that making a list made her stressed, that she was actually going to forget something. So her streak is to feel grateful each day. I think that um, having streaks where you smile at somebody, where your happiness isn't dependent upon whether or not they smile back, but on you smiling at somebody. Yeah. And I just... I. I I really thought it was interesting that he says that happiness is an inside job, Um, where he says, instead of looking to the outside, we develop inner strength. And then he says we have self-compassion, which is an interesting thing. So because we've talked a lot about how streaking really focuses on the inputs and not the outputs. Right. And a lot of these things that, that he's talking about, seeking external validation, that's completely looking at outputs. Right. In the sense of what people are thinking about me, what what outputs I'm getting. And we have such little control over yeah. that external validation. And I think we see it a lot in um, famous people where sometimes 
they go off what I call, they go off the rails, where you look at it and you think they are doing some pretty crazy stuff to do what seems like get some more outside validation, yeah. one way or another outside attention. And, and I think it's a dangerous place when you start to have that be the measure of how you're going to act because mm-hmm. you will start to do some crazy stuff to get people's attention, to I'd get noticed, it, to I'd get... I'd say it's alluring though. Very. I mean, to have those late... I don't know what it is, but there's something that I guess strokes the ego or makes you feel great by mm-hmm. having other people recognize who you are and what you do. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just feeling that way. But No, I read a book. There's a, a, a children's book out there called When a Monster Calls. Yeah. It's a great book. Oh, I don't know who it's was, by right now. Right. But there's a part in the book that... The, the premise of the book is that this a young boy, his um, mom is struggling with cancer and, and she's passing away. And the way that he's dealing with it is this monster inside that and, and monsters kind of the cancer and the feelings that he's dealing with. Uh-huh. But he's being bullied at school. And it's an interesting situation because at first um, the, the kid that's bullying him is kind of teasing him and pushing him. But then this bully decides that he's going to actually just completely ignore the boy, like absolutely not even acknowledge this boy's existence. And as I read the book, it was deeply profound to recognize that I thought that that was probably the most harmful thing that you could do to a person is to completely ignore that they, that they even exist. Like it talks about how that affected this boy, the struggle that he had with it. And, and I think so as we talk about this, we have a basic human need to be loved, to I be noticed. Often when there is attention, whether it be negative or positive, it's still attention. Mm-hmm. People are recognizing that I exist, right? whether it be positive or negative. At least I think they notice me. Right. Well, I think that's why sometimes in parenting, when a child acts out in a negative way and a parent pays attention to them when they're acting in this negative way... It's attention. Right. You and can so, almost be reinforcing the negative behavior exactly. because they're getting they're right. getting your attention. Exactly. And if you're ignoring the positive stuff mm-hmm. and not getting that, then what am I going to do to get the attention? I'm going to do the negative things. Whereas now there's no recognition of you. There's nothing at all. There's no external validation. Wow. That, that is... is mm. I, I mean, it hurts me to even think about it. it. By a- the way, it's Patrick Ness who wrote... Thank you. Who, uh, when a, when, when a, a monster, monster calls. calls. Yeah. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. That, so as I was thinking and talking about this, I thought, so if you're in this situation where you're feeling like, wow, I'm not feeling very loved, I'm not feeling very noticed. And he's talking about happiness being an inside job and yeah. having more self-compassion. I look at it and I think it's counterintuitive, but is the way to feel more love to actually show more love, to show others more compassion, to show others more love to see people, not yeah. just political sides or all the other things that we can judge people on, but to yeah. see people as people. Yeah. One of the um, executives I work with in one of the organizations has a streak to write at least one thank you note weekly mm. and recognizing and reaching outside of himself to acknowledge others. Yep. And to recognize them. And I, I think like you, it is counterintuitive. However, when I give up my, my self-consciousness and I start to look outward, say, for example, writing at least one thank you note weekly, that then starts to take away the need for, in, for external validation. Mm-hmm. I agree. I was thinking as you were talking 
Um, I was listening to Whitney Johnson's podcast the other day, and she had Stephen M. R. Covey on uh-huh. the podcast, and he was talking about how he see he works to see the people in his life, and so he would write personal notes on the books that he would send out, and we've been a recipient of that. That he wrote you a personal note when he sent you his uh-huh. new book, yeah. And I I loved listening to him talk about that because he says he does it. He says, it really helps me to slow down and see the people in my life and take a second and see how they've impacted me. And so I love this idea of just slowing down and seeing people. Yeah. Like see them. Right. And I think that that's part back to what we were talking about as far as living in the present. Yes. Being with the person you are with. So you could have a streak for any of these things. You could, because these are something, it's like, how do you set a goal to see people? Or how do you set a goal (laughs) to be in the present? But you could totally have a streak that says, one time a day, at least daily, I'm going to center myself in this moment. Yeah. And and just take a minute to center yourself in the moment. That's actually a cool streak. I hadn't even thought about that one before, where at least one time daily, I'm going to center myself in the moment. In the moment. And that could be with the individual with whom I'm speaking. That could be thinking about another individual. That could be just centering yourself in the moment that you're in. Mm -hmm. I think part of it that's important is to not have that moment be all about you and your woes. Right. But to have that moment be all about who are the people who have influenced and impacted me in my life. And like what one of our streakers does, be grateful in that moment that Mm -hmm. I'm centered in that moment. Right. That's really neat. I know. So I I love that. And this is what I love about streaking is being able to read an article and look at it and think, okay, this is something that really is speaking to me. What can I do to Mm -hmm. have this be something that I'm able to have be a part of my life? Right. So, okay. Moving forward. Moving forward. Wrong. Over (laughs) identifying. The next wrong wrong that you're doing. Wrong. Over identifying with your career. Often when we're first getting to know someone, we immediately start talking about our work. Our own identity and self-worth are often linked to our place on the career ladder. I found that moving up the professional ladder didn't make me any happier. In fact, some of the career choices I made damaged my long-term relationships. Our careers, our status, these are things that often impact how we think the outside world measures our own success. I've come to understand that the job, and this is my favorite line in the whole article, are you ready? I've come to understand that the job we're so obsessed with right now, the one we're sacrificing everything for because of the stories we're telling ourselves, will likely be reduced to three bullets on a resume or a LinkedIn profile in 15 years. On our deathbeds, we won't wish we'd focused more on work. Ultimately, we will measure our success by the quality of our relationships, what we wouldn't give to have just one more day with the people we loved. Yes, we still work. Yes, it's important. Don't confuse net worth with self-worth. Realize that relationships and connections make us happier than status. So what do you think of, what what, what are your thoughts as you reread that? As I think about the work that I do on a daily basis and the work that you do, what makes me happy is the personal connection with the people I work with. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that you have to abandon work in order to get those personal connections. I look at it and say, refocus on what work is about. And it is the personal connections. Yes, I am doing um, productive activities that will hopefully be of benefit to other organizations or other individuals. And in process of doing that, what I want to do 
is link with the people who I'm speaking with. And, and being a managing director for Franklin Covey, I have found the most rewarding time is the one-to-one connections that I have with the 13 individuals that I currently work with and work with me. And I have a one-to-one with them every single week. And in that one-to-one, we talk about their personal life, we talk about their work life, we talk about whatever we need to in that 30 minutes. Most important to me is to recognize, and to your point, to become centered in that moment and be focusing completely on them. And often that's hard to do. That It's really difficult to be focused on a relationship when there's items that need to be mm-hmm. completed. Right. But what, so as I, as you read this, I thought about you and I, as far as our connection, how many times we've connected in the sense of walking or running or with our children. I think of all of our children. I think of all of those relationships being significant and important in my life. And he's right. I think that sometimes it's easier to focus on the work. I think that sometimes the work is so, um, there, there's something rewarding about getting something done. Right. You and I just the other day were building shelves in the garage as we put the garage together and put this house together. And there's something rewarding about, wow, we got that whole thing done. Right. And there's, and it's not quite as rewarding as, or when you have a personal connection with someone because it's not like it's finished. Yeah. It's continuing. It's constant. Do you know what and I mean? It's, yes. And a relationship is fluid and gushy, whereas work is solid sometimes. Do you know what I mean? That feeling where you're like, okay, I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I know when it's done. I and I can tell people I did it. Right. And a relationship's very different than that. Well, I think of raising children, for mm-hmm. example. I mean, you and I have been raising children for 28, 28 years. years. <laughs> And we're coming up on a major transition in our mm-hmm. lives. Raising children in that whole entire time, it's difficult to see the relationship that I'm building with each one of them. I mean, that's over 28 years of time. Whereas when I'm doing work, I can there's a start point and an end point, and I see that it's done. However, now that we're in this transition, I can see that there's there's some important things that we chose to do early on and through our children's life that made those relationships what they are today. I mean, we have great relationships with our children today. Right. And we're transitioning now. I mean, so how do I now find those relationships when it's going to be you and I? Right. The interesting thing is that as you're speaking, I look at this and I'm like, through all of these transitions in different parts of life, there's an intentionality to it that there that that's really what comes to it. As I read this part of the article, it reminded me of, of the book, How Will You Measure Your Life um, by Clayton Christensen. Uh-huh. And similar concepts of how easy it is to put off the relationships in the name of work because work is urgent and impending and needing to happen. And relationships can, in your mind, kind of wait. And the thing that's interesting is that relationships don't become urgent until... Till it's sometimes too late. Right. And and so it's difficult to recognize that it's like it's important, but it's not urgent. Right. So and this so I'm smiling because it reminds me of a song. Okay. <laughs> a country song. Reminds you of a country song? Did you find it? Yeah, this is 
This is buy me a boat as far as that's um, that's concerned. <laughs> so this is this is the way that it works. All right, this is, these are some of the lyrics. So it says, I ain't rich, but I sure want to be. Working like a dog all day ain't working for me. I wish I had a rich uncle that'd kick the bucket. And I was sitting on a pile like Warren Buffett. I know everybody says money can't buy, buy happiness, but it could buy me a boat. <laughs> it could buy me a truck to pull it. It could buy me a Yeti 110 iced down with some silver bullets. Yeah, I know what they say. Money can't buy everything. Well, maybe so, but it could buy me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so are talking about relationships, you're yeah. like, it can buy you a boat. I just think that sometimes we get a little bit unrealistic in regards to what in regards to money. In other words, I don't believe that you can just be bereft of of money and be happy. I mean, if you're concerned about your basic necessities, clothing, shelter, food, those three things, maybe transportation. If you're looking at those those three or four it things, it is going to be hard to be it's happy. It's going to be those really hard. Needs. I mean, you're you are going to have to be an individual that I don't know has has some superpower to be able to not do that. So there is something about the work that I want to do that helps to provide the relationships. I believe that when you start to get imbalanced, that's when it starts to be. I'm so glad I'm so glad you brought this up because I was thinking about this as you were talking about your work and and just work in general that it is important to have relationships but it, I've also seen people lose their jobs because all they focused on the relation was with the, was the relationship and they didn't get the job done that needed to happen right I mean you are employed to get a job done, not to build (laughs) relationships per se sometimes. And whether or not you're employed by someone else or you're a self-employer, you're doing it yourself. There's work There's work to to be be done. done. So it's... So in the process of the work, that's what I was talking about earlier, I want to build the relationship. Right. So do you feel like streaking helps with those... The older I get, the more I'm recognizing that life so much of life is this balancing aspect Mm -hmm. that too much of anything good or bad creates an imbalance. I think about cars on or wheels on a car. When the wheels are imbalanced, the car is just not functioning well and it gets really Mm -hmm. shaky and uncomfortable. It's not a smooth ride. Right. And, and so, and I think life is that same way that there's this level of balance that we're constantly remeasuring. Do you feel like streaking helps in that? I do. And let me tell you why. When I started as managing director, I wanted to do something that I would get to know the individuals who reported to me. I looked at it and said, I want to know them as individuals. And so one of the streaks that I have is to do at least one thing, one activity for the individuals who, for at least one individual every day that reports to me. Mm -hmm. And that has been so awesome. Because it's made me think of the relationship that I have with them. And I've gotten to know people at a very different level than just the work level. And on the same note, there's an expectation that we work hard together. Mm -hmm. Because that working hard together also brings about fun and excitement and enjoyment and another level of the relationship. There is something gratifying by achieving the goals that you set together, Mm -hmm. by having success what about you? I mean, what have you found as far as, 
you know, I mean, you've been how a mother. How streaking for, has helped yeah, me. Yeah, how, how has it helped you? I've had it in the opposite direction in the sense that I feel like I spend most of my life creating relationships. Yeah. That's, and, and within those relationships, doing a lot of work. Um, it's gotten a little bit easier as we have less at home. And so I have used streaking a lot to focus on those, to find balance in the things that are not in my home. Like my, my, I've talked a lot about my feedback streak and that was one because being home as much, I was not getting external feedback. I was only able to, I I lived in my personal place at home and (laughs) I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have a lot of that external feedback. And so helped me to create some more professional streaks. So I would call them things that I look at and think, you know what, I need to improve on this and have, I'm working great on relationships. I need to work on some other things outside of the relationships Mm -hmm. as well. And Mm -hmm. so, and I also feel like, um, part of what streaking does, and I've talked about this before is that growth mindset, that learning to be patient, but not forget. So, and by that, I mean, there's things that we encounter in life that we look at and think, wow, that's something I really need to work on. But how often do those things that we encounter that we need to work on come at a time when we're like, this is the perfect time to start working on that. I have all this spare time. <laughs> I've decided this is exactly the right time. It doesn't ever never. seem to work that way. It always yeah, comes never. at a time that's completely inconvenient. So streaking has given me the ability to remember and start right now on things that are important and that I want to be working on but have very little level of urgency. Right. Um, but allow me to, and then also to be patient with slow growth mm-hmm. because streaking isn't something that you can do a whole, it's not a spurt thing. You can't do a whole bunch of it and then be like, okay, I feel good. I did that. I'm caught up. It's, it's usually, it's something you're doing usually daily or weekly, right. sometimes monthly. Right. And so there's this level of patience with growth that's happening, which is an interesting thing that he talks about um, being able to just be more self-compassionate. And yeah. I do feel like streaking works with that too. Absolutely. All right, moving on. This is the big one. Comparing yourself to others. Keeping score against others. This is the thing that you're doing wrong. The final thing you're doing wrong in this article. Keeping score against others as a measure of success is a strategy for misery. If we want to keep score, why not compare ourselves instead with the person we were yesterday the person we were last year or even five years ago, are we happier? Are we wiser? Are we more loving? Wanting to achieve is not wrong. We are inherently creative. I really loved that part of the article is that when he just said, we are inherently creative. This idea that each of us inherently wants to create things. And and the reason I love that is because destruction is easy and creative takes energy and intentionality and, and I really appreciate that he said, inherently, we all have that creative aspect to our lives. Okay, back to the article. <laughs> we were born with a strong desire to evolve and express our true nature. We want to hone our craft, whether that's caring for others, creating a company, or writing code. How can we avoid this trap? Think back to kindergarten when the teacher reminded us, you worry about yourself. So this is the last part of the article, and I'm going to read this whole part because I really liked this part. Imagine training for a marathon. You join a running club. There's a 12-week training program and a diet plan to adhere to. You follow both religiously. Each day you put in the work. Each day you can feel yourself getting stronger, fitter, faster, and healthier. Your mood lightens. 
You start getting used to getting up early. You actually look forward to the group runs at 5.45 a.m. You look forward to the sunrises. You look forward to the connections you've built with your little team. Over the course of three months, you have developed a deeper understanding of your diet and how it affects your body. Your inner talk track is healthier and kinder. Your family notices you're easier to be around. On race day, there's a strategy. You know not to start out too fast. You find the pace group that will run nine-minute miles, and you settle in with them. By the 18th mile, you'll know if you can go any faster or if you'll just be hanging on. It hurts, but it feels good at the same time. As you round the final corner with a half a mile to go, you're surrounded by cowbells and cheering fans. Your family is here to take pictures and shout encouragement from the sideline. They are beaming. They've seen the transformation in you. They've been inspired by your growth. Your nine-year-old daughter is already thinking about how she'd like to do a marathon someday when she grows up. You've done everything you could do. As you cross the finish line and throw your hands in the air, you know that you've completely maxed out your capability. There was nothing more you could have done. You smile a giant smile as you hold your finisher's medal and bask in the endorphins. In that precious moment, does it really matter that your friend David finished 12 minutes ahead of you? No, you ran your own race and you won. Developing your own inner guidance system is not complicated, but it can be challenging. These three steps are a great start to put a smile on your face and those around you. <laughs> Excuse me. I think he's run a marathon. <laughs> yeah, I think he has run a marathon. That's, that's what I loved as I read it. I thought that's, that to me sounds like a personal account. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a personal account there. So comparing yourself to others, I look at it and you and I both have run marathons, Mm -hmm. which is why we really, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? This, this spoke to me. Yes. (laughs) It speaks to you. It's right there. I mean, we look at this and say, yeah, we've, we've felt exactly this because honestly on the first marathon, when you and I crossed the finish line, we weren't worried about anyone else around us, who was ahead of us, who was behind us. We were just glad that we finished together. Yes. And the, and, and that's why I love when he, when he says this in that precious moment, when you have, accomplished this amazing thing and you've given your all is it really going to matter that someone ran it faster (laughs) is it really and the thing that's hard is that sometimes we do allow that to matter and it it robs all of the experience of that moment it takes away all the hard work that you did it takes away from your family supporting you it takes away from the fact that you've changed and improved and become better and it focuses on this one little thing that someone did it faster than you yeah and so when it talks about that kind of comparison really being the thief of joy, you can I, I think that's why I liked the way that he wrote this so much is because it really illustrates that that's exactly what happens, is mm-hmm. that it takes away all of these amazing things that you as an individual put into it, and it robs all of that away and says, well, the only thing that matters is that you, know, you didn't do it as fast as this other person. <laughs> it's like, no, that's because it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is all that was accomplished and changed within yourself. There's one thing that he said that um, I disagreed with. Oh, okay. And it's developing your own inner guidance system is not complicated, which I do agree with, but it can be challenging. However, it doesn't have to be challenging. That's what it, So maybe I don't disagree, but I look at it and say it doesn't have to be. It could be as simple as a laughable streak. Yes. And, I think and that, doing that thing consecutively. Do you see what I mean? Yes. I think that sometimes we set up in our minds that these are have to be very challenging things in order for us to be able to make any accomplishment. When in actuality, 
What it needs to be is a conscious effort of doing a laughably simple thing every single day, mm-hmm. which in you, as I look at comparing yourself to others, this is something that I believe plagues everyone at some moment or another. Especially in our modern world where it's so easy to see what others are doing. To hop on social media and to see the highlight reel. You're not really even seeing what other people are doing. All you're seeing is the highlight reel. Right. I love how Megan Summerell sometimes combats this. And she says, one streak is to intentionally put your phone down Mm -hmm. daily, daily, every day intentionally put it down in other words being intentional about i'm not going to compare myself to someone else because we we're we're not we don't um profess or or advocate don't streaks don't streaks just make you think about the what it is that you're missing out on do streaks are what this is what i see being able to accomplish in being able to put your phone down and i'm by doing that I'm saying no to comparisons. Right. I'm looking at it and saying, I'm just not going to compare right now. And that means I'm going to intentionally put my phone down at least one time every day. Yeah. As you were talking about, we don't encourage don't streaks. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but you talk about the Indianapolis 500 Uh and racing at those speeds. And that if there's an accident on the road, they have to not look at the accident because <laughs> right. the way that your brain works and the way that you're set up when you're driving at those speeds is you'll drive to where you're looking. And I've always loved that analogy because that's life. We will go where we're looking. And so if we're focusing our attention on the things we don't want to be doing, really what we're doing is looking at those things all the time. <laughs> all the time. And it's and it's kind of sobering to realize that's actually where we're going. Yeah. And and so I loved that when you talked about intentionally putting the phone down is it's and this is one of the things that I think is so valuable about a streak is that you are intentionally changing the way that you are focusing on things in yeah. very small laughable ways. So every time you put that phone down, you are saying to yourself, "Do you know what? I don't need to look at it right now. I'm intentionally choosing to think differently for a little bit in this moment." And the more that you do that, the more intentional you can be throughout the day, throughout the different times of your life. You start to bring that intentionality to the foreground. I have a question for you. You don't have to answer, but I'm curious. As a young mother, so thinking back to when you were first, it's, is it, was it hard to not compare to other mothers? It was so hard. It was really hard. Yeah. And how did you overcome that or what did you do in order to I've spent a lot of time thinking about this um, because there's an interesting thing I had an interesting experience when I registered my kids for swimming lessons and I was looking into doing private lessons and the teacher said do you know what we can do private swim lessons but there is something to be said about small groups because looking at what the other kids can do often pushes your child to be brave and do things that they didn't think they could do So that started me thinking a lot about comparison in the sense that there is something to be said about being able to see what other people can do sometimes and thinking, oh, I I could do that too. Yeah. But it is the one of the biggest challenges in the world to not cross that line of thinking, starting to compare yourself and what you're doing to what they're doing. Or sometimes to the not real, but perceived perfect person that's doing that job. So that perfect mom, I'll take different things from different people and add it into one person 
and say, oh, I should be doing this because, you know, this is what a perfect mom does. And there's no actual perfect mom out there. It's some thing that I've created with all these different things from different people. Or you've created the perfect mom in your head? From from (laughs) comparing to hundreds of different people and then putting it in one thing and thinking I should be doing all of those things. Yeah. Um, So how do I stop that? I think... I think it's a constant challenge. Like what streaks would you recommend to a young mom, maybe? I, and I don't know if you have any. I just was curious what you might recommend to a I love to a the things that we've talked things. about already. Having yeah. gratitude is mm-hmm. one. Seeing people. As you get to know people, the it's easy to compare to somebody that you don't know very well or to see them in a snapshot moment. Right. The more you get to know a person, the more you realize they have challenges too and they're struggling with this and... And being able to recognize that, humanize people, and actually see them as a person who's a child of somebody and a parent of somebody and a sibling of somebody, seeing them as a person and that they have the challenges that come with all of those roles, just like I do, yeah, helps. Um, I also think in this day and age, and I've talked to my daughter who is a young mother, and, and she's talked about recognizing within ourselves that social media has a place and that it's great to be connected. But I think we've all had those times where we start to recognize that it's crossed a line within us and it's not being beneficial anymore. It's starting to cause me to doubt myself or to doubt my skills as a parent or to doubt because of information, the, the, the deluge of information that's out there or people that are spouting information. Um, so being able to recognize, to put it down sometimes. Yeah. That's our music. That's it. That means we're done. <laughs> this was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you for finding the article. That's so great. I appreciate it. And I appreciated looking at it. So as we're moving forward, look at these things and think about some streaks that you could do that could help start making some changes for you. Yeah, making the changes Laughably that you simple. want to do. Streakers, if you want to get a hold of us, you can at email Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com or... Jamie, J-A-M-I, at streakingmastery.com. You can also follow us on the Streaking app and look at all the streaks that we do in order to hopefully find balance in our lives. Download the Streaking app. You can look at the community. You can search for us in the community. Uh, Look for Jamie Downs or Jeffrey Downs and follow along there. And you don't even have to set streaks to download the app. You can download the app and see what other people are doing and take some time to decide what you want your streaks to be. Absolutely. So... Until we meet again, keep streaking.